Good to see everyone this morning. Glad that you're here. And if you're here to see, uh, especially to see the uh, people being baptized, then a special welcome to you. Glad you're with us. And they'll be following the Lord in baptism in just a few moments. You know, if you count your blessings, it'll surprise you, won't it? I mean, that song is really true. If you count your blessings, it really will surprise you uh, how many blessings you have, how good the Lord has been. Well, we've, in this study on the unseen world, we continue today. This is part 7. And we're going to be start in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians uh, 12. If you'll turn there with me, please. Just a moment, we'll read the first four verses. And uh, we've talked about the unseen angels, demons, Satan, God. And uh, we're starting... Number seven here, we start to look at what I'm calling unseen abodes or unseen dwelling places in the universe, in God's creation. I think you'll find uh, these things interesting. I hope you do. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Paul is writing, of course, to the Christians at Corinth. He said, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth, or God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven. Now Paul's talking about himself, of course. And this happened 14 years ago, so it was before his missionary journeys. And he says he was caught up to heaven. He doesn't know whether he was in his body caught up or whether his spirit left his body. He doesn't know that. He, only God knows that, he says. Look at the next verse. And I knew such a man, whether in body or, or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise. There's an interesting word we're going to look at in a few minutes. And heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter or to tell. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for the blessings of life. Help each one of us here today to be more thankful and help us to express that thanks in a fuller way to you in this life. We, we thank you for this place called heaven. And today we pray we'll just learn a little more. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I came across an article about Dr. Bill Bright, who was the founder of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. He was an evangelist himself and traveled really all over the world, speaking not only to young people, but speaking to crowds of all uh, ages and bringing people to Christ. He died in 2003. Just before he died, he wrote this, this little piece. I'm going to read you a little portion of it. Remember, this is just before he dies. He says, No reunion in history can ever foreshadow what joy we will experience when we see loved ones and friends who went on before us. We are known. We are recognized. 
and we identify our loved ones, family, and friends brought together in the, uh, in the beautiful, all-surrounding presence of the Lord. Our faces beam, our countenances gleam, and we shout with such delight that angels glance at each other in wonderment. What full-throated, glad-hearted welcomes these blood-washed sinners give each other. What a welcome they give each other. How they adore the Lord Jesus, how they love Him, and how they love each other. That's going to be a tremendous reunion, isn't it, with the loved ones. But the greatest thing about heaven is the Lord Jesus Himself. In Revelation 22, 4, it says, And they, believers, and they shall see His face. Wow, what a thought. Jesus said in John 14, I'll receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Wherever Jesus is, we're going to be with him for all eternity. Jesus is what makes heaven, heaven. And, uh, and he is the centerpiece of that great place. You know, I've said often, you've heard me say it, heaven's a real place where real people go. I've experienced being in the room with people whose spirit left their body while I was there in the room with the family. That's happened to me on many occasions. On two occasions, I was holding people's hands or their hand when they slipped out of their body and went to heaven. On one occasion, I had my hand on a dear brother's head, on his forehead when he slipped out of his body and went to heaven. On two occasions, I was praying, and while I was praying, the family all gathered around, while I was praying and holding the person's hand, they went out into eternity, to heaven. And then on two occasions, while I was reading about heaven from the Bible, and to, with family gathered to a person at the point of death. While I was reading about heaven, they went there. I mean, while I was reading to them, they went there and saw it. I told that little story back a few years ago, and I found out later that some of our church members on the way home, one of the men said to his wife, and I'm quoting now, if I get sick and Pastor Paul comes to visit me, whatever you do, don't let him read about heaven. <laughs> People passing away is part of life. And slipping into heaven is a glorious thing. This... Two weeks ago, or a week ago from yesterday, we had, of course, the, the uh, McMaster, Jamie McMaster's service here, and it was a beautiful service. And I told you last week, I think that 10 people raised their hand that they received Christ as Savior there at the funeral. Yesterday, we had a huge funeral. I mean, the auditorium was full. And it was a, a doctor, uh, Dr. Greg Tatum. 
And I did not know him personally, but the people who spoke at the funeral and shared testimonies it was just wonderful. He was, <clears throat> he was a wonderful, wonderful man. He was a... <coughs> excuse me. He was a um, pediatric cardiologist. And he helped children. A lot of the children, there was a lot of children there yesterday and their parents with them and they testified that this man saved their lives. Or the parents would say, they saved my daughter's life or my son's life. He also did mission trips and went other places in the world to help third world country children who had heart problems. And uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful service. And at the close of that service, I invited people to receive Christ. And we had 14 that uh, raised their hand indicating they had called on Christ to be their Lord and Savior. The reality of death makes us think about eternity, doesn't it? It surely does. And there's only two places that we will end up in eternity, heaven and hell. And so it's important that every one of us know we're going to the heavenly place, heaven. And so, uh, the truth about heaven gives us great, great comfort. Look at your screen for a minute. I'm going to run through these things rather quickly and just remind you of where we've been in our study on the unseen world. We've looked at God himself, angels, Satan, demons. Now we're looking at the abodes. That's the next part of our study. And, and it's the abode or dwelling places of disembodied spirits. Our loved ones, where are they? The ones who have died, where are they right now? What's going on and so forth, along with angels. And so in these abodes, we'll, we'll look at heaven, which is we're going to look at today, and paradise, we'll mention that. That's in our text, Abraham's bosom, the new Jerusalem. Are these just synonyms, or are they... Uh, are there slight variations in, uh, in their meanings and so forth? And then also we'll look at hell and Hades and the abyss and uh, Tartarus and the lake of fire. Again, are these all synonyms? They refer to the same place, different places, and we'll look at those things. But this morning we're zeroing in on this place called heaven. So look back at your text now and uh, notice that in verse Two, at the end of the verse, we read, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. Now, what does the third heaven mean? Are there three dwelling places of God up there? No, the third heaven uh, is the dwelling place of God, but the other first two that's implied here is the first one is our atmosphere. Uh, the clouds and the birds and so forth and the beauty of the sky. That's the first heaven. And the second heaven is the space, the stars and the, and the planets and uh, all the beauty of the universe. And so uh, the third heaven then is the dwelling place of God. Now the word heaven itself does not help us much. Uh, the Greek word that's translated heaven means an elevated place. So, a place up high. Sometimes the word refers to our atmosphere, our space. God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. He created space. He created our atmosphere and our earth. 
And uh, so a lot of times when the word is used, it refers to the sky. But on many occasions, it refers to the dwelling place of God. Elevate. Now, third heaven. Wouldn't you like to know where heaven is? Wouldn't you like for me to tell you that? I'll let you know just as soon as I hear. <laughs> heaven is, is exalted. It is lifted up. It is a, it is a place that's lifted, as the, as the word indicates. But where is it? Well, some theologians have speculated that maybe it's in one of those black holes in the universe. Now, I thought that was interesting enough. I did a little research, and I found some pretty cool pictures. Look at your screen up here. Look at several of these black holes, as they're called. I just put them on there because I thought they were pretty. <laughs> black holes. Let me tell you something uh, about these black holes so you get the idea of the size. This is pretty tremendous. The, the mass of the biggest, or the, the black hole that is in our, our, uh, Milky, our Milky Way universe is four million times that of our sun. Can you imagine that? Four, if, so if it were a ball, you could put four million of our suns in that ball. Now that's a big old place, isn't it? One more statistic that I found really interesting as it relates to miles. The earth is 7,917 miles in diameter. Let's round it off to 8,000 so we can remember it. Our earth is 8,000 miles in diameter. The black hole that is in our universe is 23.6 billion miles across. Wow. And God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. And without him was not anything made that was made. He made it all, didn't he? And the scripture says, the heavens declare the glory of God. His creation speaks of his greatness. And the size of these black holes are just beyond imagination. So, maybe some theologians have speculated, maybe heaven is in one or all those black holes somehow. Of course, scientists say nothing can live in the black hole. But of course, when, when it comes to God, things uh, uh, don't always happen the way uh, scientists might think it would. But I'm not saying I think that's the case. I don't know. I think it could be still beyond our, what our forest telescopes can see and far beyond. Because if, even if it's billions and billions and whatever miles away, God can move from one place to another in a matter of a second, and He can move us from one place to another in a matter of a second. So when we leave our body, we could be transported up to heaven, regardless of where it is, in, of course, in a second or the twinkling of an eye. And uh, so it could be there. Or it could be, now, think about this with me. You've, you've heard that... that uh, 
what's, the, what's the, uh, fiction, sci science fiction. You've heard the term in science fiction, an, an alternate universe or an alternate reality. You know, you've heard those kind of terms where two things exist together, but they can't see each other and, and they, they, uh, they can't touch each other, but they exist in the same place. I've often wondered about that. In space, what if in space, the space we can see, what if heaven is there? And we just can't see it because it's unseen to us. And the telescopes look right through it. Just like if there, and I, I assume there are angels in this room. That would be my assumption. But if I, if I look out here and an angel gets between me and, and y'all right there in the middle, he doesn't block my vision. I just see right through that angel. You know? Possible that space is the place where heaven is. And, uh, it's real, but we just can't see it because it's unseen. I don't know where heaven is, but that's some thoughts on the subject. Look now back at your text and look at uh, verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise. Now we have the word paradise. Apparently used here like a synonym for heaven. He went to the third heaven and he went to Paradise. This word is used three times in the scripture, all three times referring to heaven. And, uh, but the word paradise is very descriptive, unlike the word heaven. Paradise in the secular Greek spoke of a beautiful garden, something that when you saw it, it, it made you be in awe of it. Um, something uh, extremely beautiful. But not only a garden, but it was used of, of parks. Now, we have a great park system in the United States. You know, we have the Smoky Mountain National Park, and Rocky Mountain National Park, Yosemite, and Yellowstone, and all those big, beautiful parks. You've probably been to some of them, at least to, to uh, the Smoky Mountain National Park. I don't think it gets any more beautiful than that, do you? It's a beautiful place. That's the kind of, that's the idea that this word paradise brings. Think of the most beautiful place you've ever been to. Or maybe think of several of the most beautiful ones and kindly combine them. Maybe a great mountain range. Or maybe in the fall of the year when everything's yellow and red. Or maybe in the spring where there's flowers. Kindly put all those things together and then multiply them by a million, and I think we've got a glimpse of what heaven may look like. Daryl Haymore and Dinya were in Alaska, and uh, they were admiring the beauty of a certain place where they were. And Daryl said, I can't imagine what heaven is going to be like if God put such beauty on the earth. Think about it. Apparently, God loves beauty, don't you think? He sure made us a beautiful earth, didn't he? It'll be a beautiful place. It will be a paradise. 
Karen and I took a one in, once in a lifetime trip to Hawaii. And uh, we got, after we'd been there a couple of days, we started laughing at ourselves because everywhere we went, we kept saying this one word, wow. We'd walk around a corner and see, oh, wow. Did you see that? She, you know, she'd poke me, did you see that? Yeah. And we just got, we got tickled at ourselves for that. I think in heaven, every, everywhere we look, we're going to say, wow, wow. Heaven, paradise, is a beautiful, beautiful place. Now, some people, some scholars think paradise was in a different place earlier on. We'll talk about that uh, as the study goes forward. But today, we're just thinking about heaven. And right now, heaven and paradise are in the same place and are synonyms for each other. Now, I want us to look at a timeline for us in heaven. Look at your screen again. A timeline for us in heaven. Now, the way we're going to get there is through death. And, uh, of course, no one wants to die. Even if you know you're going to heaven, we want to live here as long as we can, don't we? Because God put us here, and He blessed us. We want to be with family and friends here as long as we can. Hebrews 9 says, "Is appointed unto man once to die. That's an appointment we're all going to keep. But 2 Peter 1.11, in the King James, it says we're going to... People who love the Lord, not, not just saved, but love the Lord, serve the Lord, faithful to the Lord, they will have an abundant entry into heaven. Now think about that. As glorious as heaven is already, what would an abundant entry look like? The NIV translates that a rich welcoming. Welcomed into heaven. I came across a beautiful article I, I enjoyed. I share it with you about a little boy in Ohio. His name is Grady. He's eight years old, and he went back to school after being out a year with leukemia and, and going through chemotherapy and so forth. And uh, he went back to got well enough to go back to school. We hadn't seen them in a year. And uh, on his first day back, the principal met him and opened the door. In front of Grady were all of the students and teachers lining the, the hall holding strands of bright colored paper. They yelled and cheered as eight-year-old Grady ran between them. And at the end of the hall was a great sign that said, Welcome back, Grady. The children clapped and laughed, and the teachers wiped tears from their eyes. Arriving home later, he said to his mother, Listen to what he said. This was the best day ever, Mom. I had so much fun. I didn't know days could be this good. Commenting on it, someone said, If school children can pull off a welcome 
and celebration like that, can you imagine what God Almighty and His angels can do? You are promised a rich welcome into heaven. It'll be your best day ever. You can't imagine that a day would be so good. A glorious welcome into heaven. And so, the timeline is we start with death. And though we, we dread death, in the, in the spiritual world, it's a beautiful thing because it's the pathway that takes us into heaven to be with Christ. And then, the next thing would be the rapture and the resurrection. Now, I said we're all going to die, and that's true, unless we're living when the Lord comes back in the rapture. And then we'll be caught up, as the scripture says, translated or raptured in, uh, in the twinkling of an eye. But if we're already in heaven, then the next thing, while we're in heaven, the rapture's going to take place, and the resurrection of bodies. So... Until this takes place, we're in heaven in a disembodied spirit, or as a disembodied spirit. The real us, the spirit, will be in heaven. Now, some people have speculated that maybe God gives us a temporary body. I don't think we can find that in Scripture. Uh, but I think the spirit itself will look just like we are. Maybe a better version of us, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but the Spirit will look like who we are. Therefore, we'll know each other even before we get our bodies. We'll know each other in heaven as spirits. And uh, so, next comes the rapture. I've got to move quickly. Let's see. And then the next thing that'll happen is we'll get our new bodies. When the rapture takes place, we'll get those new bodies. They'll be like His glorious body, and it'll never get tired. It won't grow old, and, uh, and we'll be able to explore heaven and never grow tired. Isn't that a wonderful thought? New bodies, like the Lord Jesus' body, the Scripture tells us. And then the millennial kingdom will come along. Now, we've already been in heaven, but we're going to be a part of that millennial kingdom. And if you remember all those wonderful Old Testament passages that say things like this, the lion and the lamb will lay down together. There'll be no uh, predators and so forth uh, in the millennial kingdom. And uh, a, an oxen and a lion will eat hay together. I want to see that, don't you? We'll be there. We'll be in our glorified bodies already. So we, we won't get tired walking, you know, how, you know, a million miles or something to see one thing and another. And uh, we'll see all this. It also says that uh, uh, even the vipers, even snakes will not, be, will not bite anybody. And a child can stick their arm down into a viper's hole where the vipers are. Woo! I'll certainly need a glorified body to see that. But we'll be there in that kingdom. We'll experience that. And then will come the new heaven and the new earth. Renovated by fire, the Bible tells us. And as beautiful as the earth is now, no doubt it will be 
more beautiful then. And we'll get to explore the new heavens, atmospheres, uh, and the new uh, earth. And then will come the new Jerusalem. And uh, uh, we'll get to explore the new Jerusalem as well. Just, just for a second, turn over with me. Uh, and turn over, and we're not going to come back to our text. So turn over to Revelation 21 for a moment. Let's just read a couple of verses there. Revelation 21. John, of course, is the one writing the book of Revelation. That is, he's the human author, the Holy Spirit inspiring him. But he's writing about what he saw, the revelation that, that the Lord Jesus gave him about heaven. He lets him see about end-time events, but here he's talking about heaven... So you and I will know a little bit about uh, what's coming 2,000 years later. So look at verse 1. It says, And I saw, that's eyes, John, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now the, the Greek term passed away means, doesn't mean annihilated. It means uh, moved from one existence to another. So they're not annihilated. They're changed. And uh, the first one had passed away or changed. And there was no more sea. So there's the new heaven and the new earth. Now Peter tells us a lot more about it. But we won't take the time to turn there. Verse 2 says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And uh, if we look at verse 4. That verse we all hold to is precious and it certainly is and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven now it will it will come down and, and be suspended over earth 15 uh 1,500 miles north, south, east, and west, and high. That's, that's two-thirds the size of the United States. So think of a square that is... Two, think of a map and a square two-thirds the size of the United States, and then it is as high as it is wide and long, 1,500 miles straight up and so that's the new Jerusalem coming down but is is the new Jerusalem and heaven the exact same thing I don't think so I think the new Jerusalem right now is in heaven I think the new Jerusalem <coughs> Jesus referred to when he said I go to prepare a place for you he's He's been preparing that place. And when the time comes, it's going to come down from heaven and be here suspended from the new earth. And heaven will still be wherever heaven was. <laughs> and uh, you and I will have access to the new Jerusalem, to the new earth, and to heaven, God's abode. And... Uh, all of these things we'll get to explore and be a part of. So if you go back to your screen now, 
let's think about things we might do in heaven. Life in heaven. And uh, let me move real quick here. Life in heaven. Here's some quick thoughts. Life of fellowship with Him. Think about the sweetest time of fellowship you've ever had with Christ. Maybe it's in your prayer time. Maybe it was when you got saved. Or maybe it's sometime when you're worshiping the Lord and you're just sense His presence. Multiply that by one million and you get a glimpse of the presence of the Lord, the fellowship. We shall see His face. He said, where I am, there will you be also. Fellowship with Christ is the greatest thing about heaven. And then there will be rest. We could use some of that, couldn't we? Some rest. They shall rest from their labors, the scripture says. And, uh, and a life of exploring. I like to go hiking. I like to explore things. Now, I say hiking. <coughs> I'm talking about walking two, maybe three miles at the most. So that's my hiking. Not all day and camp and that kind of thing. But I like to see and explore new and beautiful places. And uh, in heaven, we'll get to explore the new heaven, new earth, heaven itself, the new Jerusalem, and so forth. And, uh, and then it'll be a life of learning. I think immediately with our new body, we'll have a, a greater capacity to, to learn and to know and to memorize. But I still think we'll have to learn things. I think we'll get to hear the Apostle Paul preach. That'd be a joy, wouldn't it? I think we'll get to hear the great Apostle John he might, he'll probably talk about loving God. <laughs> Somewhere along the way, we'll get to hear the Lord Jesus teach us about the mysteries of the universe. You remember when the Sanhedrin sent guards to arrest Jesus? And they came back without him, and the Sanhedrin was surprised and said, Why didn't you bring him? And they said, Never a man spake like this man. Every word that dropped from his lips was the word of God. One day, we'll get to hear him teach, preach. And then, in heaven, it'll be a life of joy, unspeakable joy. Okay, can I do this one more time? Think of the happiest day of your life, multiply it by a million, and you get a glimpse. And then, it's a life of service. His servant shall serve him. We'll have things to do uh, and, uh, and be productive. It's a life of abundance. Everything will be in abundance. It's a life of glory and it's a life of worship. Worship. Turn with me one more time. Now in Revelation 5. We'll end with this passage. Revelation 5. Brother Jim York did a study on this part of Scripture just on Wednesday nights just a few weeks ago and did a tremendous job, and it was beautiful. I want to just pick it up in chapter 5 and verse 9. 
And this is between the rapture now. This is after the rapture takes place and before the tribulation begins because he's opening those seals that will begin the tribulation. But look, look what takes place in heaven. Uh, verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. That's the sealed book. And to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. People from all over the world. People from every generation. The one thing they have in common. They're different colors. They speak different languages. One thing they have in common. They've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> and then notice what. Thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on earth. And I beheld. That's John seeing this vision of heaven. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands. 10,000 times 10,000, by the way, is one, 100 uh, million. But that's not limited to that because he throws in there the words thousands and thousands. It's an unimaginable number. Un uh, a number that cannot be counted. And then verse 12 says, And they're saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So it's a place of worship. This is, of course, the week of Thanksgiving. And I hope all of you have a wonderful week with family and friends. And it's a good time, as the song said, to count your blessings, name them one by one. But as I close, I want you to think about this. The greatest blessing of all is that we're going to heaven one day. Heaven. Heaven. And what they sing about right here, we're going because we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let me make a suggestion to you. and you, you try it. Maybe you already do it. Or... Let the Lord be the first person you speak to in the morning. Now, sometimes it can't be helped. You, your, your mate is right there beside you and you say good morning. But try to make the Lord the first person you speak to in the morning. And I'm, ta I'm not talking about after you've had your coffee and all of that. That's, that's okay. I'm talking about as soon as your eyes open. Thank the Lord for His blood. Thank the Lord for the cross. Thank the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. And thank the Lord for a home in heaven. It'll help your attitude be right the rest of the day. Start out thanking Him for those most important things of all. And then ask Him to take control of your life. All of that takes only a minute. But it's a good way to start the day. Then you can have your coffee, and then you can have your devotions and prayer time. And I'm talking about this just very first thing. The first person you speak to, be thankful to him for heaven. Bow with me, please. With our heads bowed, maybe you'd say, Preacher, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But I want you to pray for me that my life will please the Lord. So that when I get to heaven, he'll be pleased with me.
That's my prayer this morning. Would you slip your hands up all over the building? Yes, hands are everywhere. You may put them down. I wonder if somebody would say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I want you to pray for me. No one will come to you or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If that's your prayer today, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. Would you slip your hands up right now, anyone? Okay. That's beautiful. Lord, thank you for the promise of heaven. Help us to be more and more thankful for that place that one day we shall see, paradise, beyond our imagination. We thank you for it. Help us to be thankful, men and women, thankful for the blood, for the cross, for the forgiveness of sin, and for a home in heaven. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.